Hi, James. Ben, how are you? I am. I'm okay. I'm, I'm a little chilly and a little groggy. Uh, Ch- chilly, I get. Why groggy? <laughs> for for reasons unknown, I haven't actually had coffee yet today, so I'm quickly chugging one now. But <laughs> I, it's like I'm totally in quicksand. I I might have an edge on you for once this week, huh? Yeah. <laughs> actually, we did get. There was a great piece of. Uh, there was a review in iTunes that uh, compared me to a greyhound and you to a friendly uh, golden retriever. Oh, wow. A golden retriever. I, I don't know if you saw this. myself as a golden. No, I haven't. No, no, and, then, have and, and, and then occasionally you come barreling in from the side and like knock me off pace. <laughs> That's hilarious. And they said the only criticism was that occasionally uh, we'll get totally sidetracked and someone needs to yell squirrel to get our attention. <laughs> That's Whoever wrote that review, thank you. That was amazing. No, um, it, it's, it's really good. Um, funny you mentioned the coffee thing. I, a friend challenged me last week to, to like, I bet you couldn't go a week without coffee. And I came into work in a complete fog and, and like people at work were saying, <laughs> can you please start drinking coffee again? It was like, I was, my body was, I was, I was looking at my body from a foot behind. That's kind of what it felt like. It wasn't great. I, I just, I mean, I, I, you might want to reconsider uh, how loosely you toss around the word friend. Um, oh, well, no, this is a good friend. And that, yeah, <laughs> they, they, they got me. They like hit exactly the button. They knew exactly what buttons to press. It's like, you have a dependency. You can't do this. Da, da, da. And I was like, okay, let's, let's try this. And then uh, things started coming up at work and it's like, I have to function. <laughs> I made it a day. And then I'm like, okay, I give in. I'm going back. <laughs> Your insinuation seems to be that having, a, having such a dependency is a bad thing. I, I well, would. right. I, I, I don't like the idea of dependencies in general, but I guess if I'm going to get dependent on anything, caffeine is, there are probably worse things to be dependent on. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, the, the whole, uh, yeah, we can, we could go on about, uh, <laughs> the pleasures of the pleasures of various forms of libations. Um, uh, always, <laughs> but that would, that would, we, we, we already had a long introduction last week, so we can, we can. All right, sweet. So we, we we did get um one thing I did hear from a few folks um was they're really tired of Uber. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, couldn't possibly be true. Yeah, it was just too bad because then this past weekend was like super newsworthy. Um, but mm. uh, we, we'll we'll park it for we'll park, we'll park it. it. Nice, Ben. Nice. You will park Uber. I like it. <laughs> um. <laughs> And you haven't had coffee yet either. I'm impressed. Uh, I, I want to take credit, but it was an accident. <laughs> uh, very good. Um, uh, I do have a feeling that it will come up uh, in one context, but I will I will save that. You can eagerly anticipate uh, when I when I drop the Uber bomb. Um, the another thing that's been, um, you know, at least in our little corner of the internet, I'm not I'm not sure how broadly this resonates, but uh, more angst about Apple and the app store and yeah. and developers and stuff like that. And, and basically uh, especially with iOS eight, iOS eight, you know, there's a lot of enthusiasm and excitement after WWDC uh, you know, talk about Apple being open and, and, in, mm. you know, opening up their technology and, and developers being really excited about this. We, we, we had a podcast where we talked about this a little bit and, mm. you know, we kind of talked about the angle of, you know, w- might Apple lose something in this process, but still it's, you know, it's kind of very, you know, you were underwhelmed, I think actually now that I remember it and I was, I was pretty enthusiastic about it. Is, is that right? 
That's a that's a fair characterization. I, I mean, I guess I was concerned that that something was in that old Apple and that they risked losing it in new Apple. But but like they decided to pick the strategy and they should go with it, right? Yeah. So anyhow, they they had all these new technologies and and um some apps implemented the technologies. Uh, surprise, surprise. And mm. and some of the apps were really cool, especially around like the notifications widget, for example. And mm. Apple thought they were cool too. And so Apple actually promoted them in a special section of the App Store saying, oh, is, look, isn't this neat? Um, and one example was was PCalc, uh, a calculator app that's actually my favorite. And uh, Apple put it in their section of, oh, look at this neat new, how they use the iOS technology. Because what it did was it put the calculator within the, within the, the notifications tabs. If you slide down from the top and you go to today, um, you can actually do calculations using this calculator. And then the the developer, James Thompson, got notified by Apple. Uh, no, no relation. Uh, sorry, that's not allowed. You can't do calculations inside notification center. You have to take it out. Mm. Uh, he's pretty well known, um, pu- publicized this. There's a lot of brouhaha. And a day later, Apple reversed itself, which makes sense given that Apple's own calculator does the same thing. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then it kind of is like, oh, well, there's probably a mis- miscommunication, whatever. That stuff happens. All is well that ends well. Mm. Um, the problem is it, it hasn't ended. Uh, there's been uh, a few other examples. There's an app called Drafts where you can just you, you can quickly launch a note or launch a, a, all, all sorts of stuff that had buttons to do that in the notification center that they were forced to remove that. Uh, there's another one called Launcher that actually launched apps explicitly. This is a little more on the gray line because Apple's long, I mean, for better or worse, has long prohibited apps that launch other apps as like mm-hmm. their their main their main you know reason for being. Um, but they they were removed, and I, but I think what really kind of uh, uh, and then transmit by panic the file transfer app was told they couldn't use the they couldn't connect to iCloud Drive because basically what they let you do is you could pull files from an external server like transmits roots are as a Mac FTP client. Um you could pull pull files from an external server onto iCloud Drive. But it was just iCloud Drive. It was, it was onto Dropbox or any other of service. It was uh, incredibly useful like really this more than anything really expanded what you could do uh, on iOS right. 8 and they were told you can't you can't add external files to iCloud on iOS has to be only come from an application. The problem is iCloud is in the, in the file sharing sheet. So that means they had to remove the functionality completely, which kind of like, what's the point then? What's the point of even having this, this API? Um, And then probably the most jarring thing was the launcher, the launcher uh, developer wrote a blog post stating that uh, he was told by Apple that, um, Apple doesn't want to put the rules down clearly. They want to be able to change their mind. We've known that. They've mm. said that for a while. But probably what was most concerning was basically um, he wanted to know why there were so many other apps that did the same thing he did that weren't being pulled from the store um, or that were still launching and, and adding it. They're like, oh, well, you know, we'll look into it. But but then at some point, he he claims he was told that Apple wanted to make an example of him uh, wow. so that other people wouldn't, wouldn't do the same sort of thing instead of, you know, Putting they're like they basically said it saves us the trouble from from making another rule. Oh wow, wow, what wow, that's just so dumb. I mean, it's just so mind blowingly dumb, right? Like uh, part of the reason that uh, that iOS is as um, as 
popular as it is and as well loved as it is, is because of this incredible app ecosystem that's built up around it. And the reason that app ecosystem is there is because you've got developers on side and you want developers like you want developers pushing the boundaries of what's possible. Like that's the way that cool new stuff comes up. And I, I, I it's reminding me of a, um, of a, a class or, or, or a principle that I, 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 I um, picked up in a class back at business school, which is that one of the best ways to unleash innovation is to give people a clear sense of where the boundaries are. And once you've given them those boundaries, don't tell them what to do, just let them go crazy, right? And as a result of that, they'll come up with, you tell them what the goals are, you give them the boundaries and they go off and they do cool things that you could never have possibly imagined um, if, uh, as opposed to you telling them exactly what they need to do. And I think that the app develop like the developer ecosystem is such a critical part of Apple's success and th- they this feels like them taking it for granted, right? Well, I mean I, I obviously I can I mean I I completely agree. Um you know, I've written multiple times that Apple I think is 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 not is not treating their their ecosystem correctly like they're they're not they're not taking you know they're not taking care of it and i've primarily focused on the monetization angle uh which mm. we can talk about in, in a little bit but this certainly plays a part in as well because uh you know if, if it's if it's true uh that the explicit purpose is to basically get developers to self-police themselves um the inevitable outcome is less innovation because your people will always like you know, this is this is something that's like um, there's a principle kind of like the Great Firewall in China, right? The idea is is you only need to kill enough stuff that people get nervous enough that they pull them they pull back themselves, right. and then actually you you it's like a multiplier effect on censorship because instead of the entity having to censor everything, people start to self censor themselves and they self censor themselves more aggressively than you would have censored it as, as kind of like the controlling entity. Right. And so you apply this to innovation. uh, If you, if you kind of tell people that they'll be basically punished for innovating because it's punishment. And the reason it's punishment is uh, by not knowing ahead of time, if you do something new and it's not allowed you have wasted uh, weeks or months of development or, time, which is very years. expensive. Years even. I mean, it's it's nuts. And I, I almost think, though, that the parallel that you drew there, it's what Apple's doing um, is in some ways worse. Uh, I mean, not worse from freedom of speech versus development. Obviously, China takes the cake on that. But at least, at least... In the China circumstance, you kind of have some sense of what is and isn't allowed, right? Like in the China example, you know you don't want to piss off the Communist Party. You don't want to say negative things about China. In the Apple innovation example, they are explicitly not if, – if, if, again, like we'll take the caveat, if, if everything that we've talked about we mentioned is true, that they don't want to explicitly put rules in place because – they, they don't want to have to write them down and they want to be able to change their mind. It, you, you really have no sense when you create something innovative or something new as to whether it's going to break those policies until you actually ship it. Yeah, well, I mean, I think, uh, I think you might have overstated it a little bit. 
Um, I mean, there are rules, right? That Apple at the beginning there were no rules. It was really bad. But then in 2009, I think that like there were rules released, and in the beginning of the rule says this is a living document. Like it's going to change. Like we we can't anticipate everything. Just be aware of that. Um, but I think in general, since that time, like this has settled down a lot. I think people have gotten a pretty good feel. Like Apple has had rules, and there has been a pretty good feel for you know for for what's allowed and, and what isn't. It, so. I think you're maybe overstating it a bit to say that it's even worse than what's happening. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, you yourself admit you're overstating it, but I think even in the degree of like clarity and lack of clarity, there there, there are some rules. And what's interesting is all this has happened specifically around uh, some of the iOS eight technologies. And I, I, the reason why I find this so interesting um, mm. is, you know, there there was the sense that. Again, at least for me, and you were a little more skeptical, but there, there, there was there was a sense of me. I think a lot of other people that Apple and WWC this year really felt different. It felt different in a like this is a this is not the old Apple anymore. This is Apple opening up, They're much more confident. Not you know, I wrote a piece called "What Steve Jobs Wouldn't Do," and the, and the entire the entire thing was you know, this is a WWC that, that would not have happened under jobs. Like he came up, you know, he and so many people with him were shaped by the late nineties when Apple mm. almost died. And, and you saw so many things like the way they used to hoard cash, the way they used to, you know, n- not, you know, be terrible partners, not treat developers. Well, like a, a lot of that came from them basically being able to trust and depend on no one. And their developers abandoned them. I mean, Adobe screwed them over. Microsoft basically made them prostrate themselves, you know, on stage, you know, and bail them out with money. <laughs> it, was, it was humiliating, right? And and right. Apple didn't ever want to be in that position again. And it's it's ridiculous to sit here in 2014 and Apple, you know, and we're, you know, the debate of the hour is how should Apple spend their insane amounts of cash, right? Like the, right. it's it's a totally different situation, but it's very hard to change kind of like your the, your core characteristic of who you are. And what I know in that article is that actually Apple has changed a lot in, as far as people go too. Almost 60% of the executive team has changed since 2010. That's a huge number. And I felt we were kind of seeing that difference at WWDC. And that's why it's kind of, it's been jarring to have this kind of what's happened now because it feels like Apple at war with itself because you, you see these APIs are being built they're being promoted by the app store. And then the app review team is coming in after the fact and saying, actually, no, you can't do that. Yeah. Right. And, and uh, yeah. So it, what you say makes complete sense. I think maybe I was a little bit skeptical of WWDC, but the decision was made like, like the change. I, I, I agree with your assessment of the change. Something definitely felt different. Um, the decisions being made to make that difference. Once the decisions made, you, you set a strategy. You start creating these new APIs for developers to use. Like everybody falls into line behind that new strategy. And I think the idea that this is vestiges of that remaining forty percent uh, saying, you know what, we don't like this strategy. Uh, but I mean, obviously, if there was a debate that happened at the executive team level. Uh, one side won and another side lost and the decision was made. But it, if this is an instance of like, we don't like the decision and we're going to fight to keep the old ways alive, even as the other 60% moves ahead, I think that's a very worrying conclusion. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, mean it, it's, it, I mean, we're at the height of like criminology, right? When it comes to you know yeah. talking talking about Apple, but that, I mean, that's just the way that, that's the way the company is. And the reality is, there might be it might just might be happening with some lower level managers right. writing it out, and it's going to get worked out. And that, that's that's very much that's very much a possibility. I, I do think it's the the thing that strikes me is like this basically 180 degree reversals that are happening. Like to mm. me, that that sounds like orders coming down from on high. You know, it's one of those things I don't want. I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on this. One, I've written about this a ton. Um, two, I think we're in pretty much complete agreement about the idea of like supporting developers. There's a few interesting things to think about, to to talk about here. I mean, one is just the, you know, what could Apple be doing better? I think one is clear, just having you know clear rules of the road. Um, you know, yeah. is an obvious one. I've spent a lot of time talking again, as I mentioned earlier, talking about monetization. Like, I think it's a real challenge in the app store. Like I, to me, a sustainable business is built on, you need to be able to make money from your existing customers. Like, and that's really hard to do outside of kind of like, uh, you know, consumable in-app purchases, which is what, what most games are basically where you buy something and then it goes away and you want to buy it again. And so you can spend again and again, right? It, it, you can't, it's hard to do that with a productivity type of app. The way it's traditionally been done is you pay for updates, but that's that's really hard and convoluted to do in the app store. And and anyhow, there's lots of challenges with monetization beyond the fact that there's just a gazillion apps, right? It, it's it's you know the supply is very large, which means you have to really highly differentiate, um, you know, to, to even have a chance. Maybe a productivity app could give you ten thousand characters on the keyboard, and then you need to make an in-app purchase for another ten thousand. <laughs> but the problem is, like that app is going to be so universally hated, someone's going to make a similar app <laughs> along with it, right? Um, right. I, mean, I wrote about this last summer. Like I interviewed uh, the the developer of uh, of the Pleco uh, Chinese app, which is, um, you know, he's made a very nice living for himself, basically by being very highly differentiated and, and mm-hmm. completely dominating his niche. Um, it, it's an example. I think we've talked about in the past, you know, of, you know, someone on the jungle floor, you know, doing, doing very well for, for himself. That's um, all right for Ben. Yeah, no, no, exactly. Sorry. I'm being cheeky. The catch cry of every time it's only you, there seem to be plenty oh. of examples of people that are doing it successfully. So it's not just okay for Ben. It's okay for that guy too. Yeah, it's a really cool business idea. Um, Anyhow, but but that's been discussed at ad nauseum. What what I think is interesting, and I, what I'm what I'm what, what, what's, I've been thinking out about this is uh, I'm always a little worried when um because you know, we we talk when we talked about discussing this, we're like well the only the only issue is we both completely agree, mm. and that that makes me a little nervous because like everyone agrees, like everyone agrees Apple should be doing better by doing better by developers, and and I. I I criticize, like, um, you know, as as on another podcast this week, mm. just with with Eric Jackson talking about how, how Apple ought to spend their money, and I wrote that article best last week, saying that you know Apple Apple's business has worked very well uh, for a very long time now, and that's why they have so much money. So why are we telling them to change what they do? And I like it's interesting to think about that in the context of this. We're so sure that Apple's doing it wrong. And they really ought to be doing better. But at the at the end of the day, you, it's worth remembering that the company is is extremely profitable. The iPhone is just blowing everything out of the water, and um, it's a little interesting that a week ago, I personally can sit there saying, 
why don't you let Apple do what they've been doing? Um, you don't understand how the company works. And I'm saying, Apple, you're doing it all wrong. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but but the implicit idea behind, I, I mean, this is what this is the function of critical thought, right? Like the implicit statement behind they're profitable, they're the biggest company in the world, is that the, like somewhere buried behind that statement is the assumption that they're doing well. In fact, maybe we could even say they're the best run company in the world. The implication being that there's nothing that they could do to improve. And I don't think any company ever gets to that point. Now, I I think that like one of the things that Apple sells itself on is, is the incredible ecosystem of apps on iOS devices. And the reason that's there is, yeah, it's in part because of the success of, um, the, the iOS devices, the iPhone and the iPad, making it a very, uh, I mean, making it the platform for a lot of developers to target, at, at least develop on first. But it would be a mistake for the company to think that just because they've got the the platform that most people spend money on, that they've had this attractive platform in the past for developers, that they shouldn't do anything to, to keep developers there. And I, I think setting some, I mean, they have set basic ground rules, but the idea that they, they in, and again, I, I think this is hearsay, but the idea that they might not set ground rules with, with the intent of letting developers walk across an invisible boundary, wait till they get there and then say, ah, gotcha. Like, that's not a way to treat people who are in, who, whose livelihoods depend on them being able to successfully ship apps and who your ecosystem relies on to keep shipping those apps. Uh, well, that's the, th- I mean, I completely agree. Let me be super clear. I mean, I, I 100% agree. Like you're preaching to the, you're preaching to the choir, like whatever, whatever well, you uh, did metaphor. Claim devil's advocate. Well, no, no, no. Whatever metaphor you want to claim. One, it is a bit of devil's advocate, but I guess what I'm what I'm wondering and, and what I'm what I'm thinking about is, um, and here comes the Uber bomb. Oh no, you're going to unpack it. <laughs> the we talk about we, 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 one thing we've kind of wrestled over on this podcast is can you separate the sort of person and company it takes to go into a city like Portland, um, which. Mm. Portland, there the the owners of the cab companies sit on the regular on the board that reviews like applications to change the law. America, <laughs> like, America. There, there there are four hundred licenses total for a city of six hundred thousand. Um, it, like it, it's it, it's it, and so and so I look at Uber going into Portland and saying, you know, we've been waiting for years for you to change the law. We're starting, and. And as we've talked about, like, if you can look at that, like it, people instinctually say, man, uh, Uber being jerks again, but actually who's really doing wrong here? It's, so, it's actually so in it's, the it's, Uber it's, it's, example or the Apple example? No, in, I mean, in, the, in, the, in, the Uber, in the Uber example. In, in the Uber example, like, I mean, I think you know my point of view and I think I suspect I know your point of view on this too, which is that. Those laws aren't there for the betterment of society. Those laws are there for the betterment of a select group of people who've managed to play the regulatory capture game very successfully, and the public in the pu- the general public has suffered as a result. But the the suffer has been 
um, distributed a small amount over a wide number of people, while the benefit has accrued to a small number of people very highly. And those small number of people will continue to invest resources to maintain that regulatory capture. So yeah, in, in that instance, to my mind, the bad guy is is the is is the Portland City Council and whatever whatever it was that allowed the people who are running the cabs to sit on the regulatory board that that's like saying letting polluters sit on the uh, EPA or, or like it's nuts it makes no sense so I, I mean I, obviously I agree but at the same time like the, the, like I, I, Apparently, by the feedback, people still don't believe me. Like this other stuff that Uber is doing is terrible, and their attitude so, is terrible. So, what other stuff? Like, no, 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 I mean, so okay, so uh, uh, the like the ad, like whatever the context of whatever Emil Michael said, like it was still a terrible thing to say and a stupid thing a, to say. It was and, definitely and it, stupid. It definitely yeah. betrayed a very concerning sort of point of view and view of the world. I've also talked about. I think Uber is a little too full of themselves and their mm-hmm. own role in, in their success. Like in like why he wasn't fired. Right. Even though I think for the good of the companies from a PR perspective, if nothing else, he should have been, uh, yep. I think the privacy stuff where they just like yep. ipsy yep. daisy, okay. watch people, just, look at people is bad. I think the response to, uh, the, the horrible incident in India over the weekend where someone was raped, like the, <laughs> It was. What like, was the response? I'm. Curious. The response so, is basically we're going to work with the government to improve our background process because you know the, it was licensed. Blah 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 blah. I mean, but, but the, I mean, so so I I I have a I'm going to have a very controversial point of view on that topic, but maybe we should no, dig into okay, that. Okay. Well, because, yeah. Well, I don't want to dwell on Uber. I mean, the, the reality is, and we'll link to a fantastic article written by written by um an Indian who works and now works in the U.S. Basically saying like, you know, guys you're you're getting this one all wrong like um and it's it's very sobering article i definitely think you should check it out but the point is it's super complicated right but but right um uh yeah we need to figure out that is better because i don't want to i don't want to spin out yeah. uber okay um so basically like the, the ubers you know they're i i am very concerned about about having their I don't know if it's arrogance uh, in control of a company that I think has the potential to have so much market power. But at the same time, can you really divorce that attitude that people find so off-putting from the sort of company that from the attitude that would make Uber even possible to exist today in the face well, of, of things like Portland and things face of all the other cities that, that they've gone into that you and I agree from a social aggregate perspective has made the world a better place. So I totally get your point. And here's what I'd say, like the, the, if they don't do it themselves, then someone like, like you, you saw what happened in, in India, like in Delhi, they, they outright banned Uber. And this isn't like a pretend you're pissing off the taxi cab companies type ban Uber, like they banned Uber. And I suspect that you get a few more instances of, uh, like more instances of behavior, like like the bad type of behavior. And I realize I'm putting a, a judgment, like there's a judgment value associated with good versus bad in my view. But I think that also that, that's shared more widely because there are lots of people who support what they're doing in Portland don't support some, like the privacy stuff, for example, right? Like 
if they don't sort it out, someone's going to sort it out for them. And my suspicion is it is going to be much more painful if someone else sorts it out for them than if they sort it out themselves. And I would make a similar point about Apple, right? Like, so, yeah, I, I was about to call squirrel on you because the point was not to talk about Uber. Right. And so I, I, I <laughs> good, yeah. So I saw the squirrel out. I had the squirrel in the corner of my eye all along. It, it is easy to assume that I, I'm successful now. Like I can, t- I can take these developers for granted. I can, I can, I can be lazy about developing the specific guidelines because I know that they have to use my platform because my platform is the best platform. Um, and I can wait until one of them crosses one of these invisible boundaries and then I can, I can, I can crucify them, uh, crucify them, pull their work down, say, you know what, you, you can't do this. And the, uh, we, we didn't explicitly state it, but we want to make an example out of you. Like the assumption is that they're always going to be able to do that, but they are dependent on developers and they risk that um, by behaving like that. And the first time that Apple runs into some bumps, like... <sighs> I don't know what's going to cause. I don't know what, if anything, will cause the the a bump to happen where developers are like, "Oh, maybe I shouldn't do this." Oh, you know what? If I do it on Android first, it's not going to be the case that I risk getting it pulled. Or, oh, I want to do this really cool thing that that maybe it's in something that could get pulled. Maybe I'll go do it on Android first. Like, I don't know exactly how it's going to happen, but I get the sense that it's better for Apple to fix it now than to just assume success continues and wait until they hit a bump and realize it, that, that that developer community isn't that supportive because they Apple hasn't been supportive of them. Again, I agree. The question I have for you, though, and this applies to both companies, uh-huh. is I agree that Uber ought to change and that Apple ought to change. I mean, the thing with Apple, like they've had Apple controls everything and like that's mm-hmm. that's the challenge with an ecosystem is is it's about it's about letting go to some degree right in mm-hmm. that in letting flowers bloom in mm-hmm. and i think a big challenge apple has with that is is like they're, 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 it's hard for them to let go and the question isn't whether they should because they should just as the question isn't whether uber ought to modulate their attitude because they should the question is if they can like well, it's so, it's so yeah. easy to sit here, especially yeah, yeah, to talk right. about something from a theoretical perspective, and we right. see this with like disruption, right? Oh, they just ought to embrace the low, you know, the, right. the, the and it's hard. Yeah, it's hard from a cultural point of view, right? You, it, we, we've talked about culture and that that definition of culture from uh, uh, Shine from MIT that I love. It's like a shared mechanism for problem solving. The first time you see the problem, nobody knows how to solve it, and then you they you like how do we do it, and then you solve it once and if it works well enough, the next time you see the problem, you don't think about it as much until eventually you've solved it so many times that nobody bothers asking how to do it anymore. The thing is like, I mean, in the instance of Uber, the one way to, one of the ways of precipitating a change in culture is a crisis. And I think <laughs> they're, they're in the, in the middle, I get, I get to use expletives every now and then they're in the middle of a shit storm. And I think that there's a there's a decent chance that this kind of environment will prompt a change around the privacy stuff, around a whole bunch of stuff. They are getting so much attention right now. Uh, Apple is, I mean, it got bad for Apple around this developer stuff in the past as well. 
Um, and it felt like they changed. And I mean, there was an example of a 180 on one of these apps. Uh, you described it as coming down from on high. Like it, it gets out into the world. It gets lots of press, lots of attention. And I do think Apple understands the value of their developer community. And and maybe maybe all this press, all this coverage is what prompts the change. But I grant you this, your point is well made. I, I, I think most people... Maybe even inside of Apple, I don't know. I don't know whether they agree that it's the right thing to do to let go of control. I agree it is, but your question around can they is a is a very fair one to ask. Well, it's not just the other thing is it's not it's not as black and white as we as we want to make it right. My my big hobby horse at the App Store is Apple needs to make it make it easier to monetize, uh, especially for productivity type apps. The problem is like what I'm basically saying is Apple needs to make it easier for developers to get money from customers and that money from customers for that money to go to the developers. And that's, at least on a short-term basis, that's problematic for like the Apple wants to commoditize the compliments. They want everything outside the iPhone that makes an iPhone better to be, to be cheaper and more widely available. Like, and Apple's basically has said this a couple of times, like they, they like free apps. They want apps to be free. They have promotions where, Oh, get this great app for free. Which, which, in if you look at it from a certain lens, is actually devaluing those apps. But from Apple's lens, it's great. It's making it the value prop of owning an iPhone that much better. And so, I think, yeah, this it, you've you've hit on. Sorry, I interrupted. Sorry. No, go ahead. I think you've hit on the the. This is the exact strategic question that they should be focused on answering as part of this conver- well as part of this conversation, right? Do you think that in the long run? you are decreasing the value of the iOS ecosystem by behaving like this? Or do you think that by having all the free the, the free apps that, that it, it won't matter because there's no alternative where developers can turn where they're going to get paid more anyway? Like it's not like if they put this up on, on the Play Store that they're, they're suddenly going to start making more money. So although it's not optimal from a long-term perspective, it may not be optimal from a long-term perspective. The, the other question is, well, like if you think about it from a negotiations point of view, and we've talked about leverage previously, where else are developers going to go? No, this so, is exactly it. Like lots of people respond like, oh, well, why doesn't Apple or Google, or why doesn't Google or Microsoft swoop in and offer better terms? Uh, they have. Like, it, it, <laughs> I mean, this, yeah. I, I, get very, I, no, yeah, I get frustrated by the, by like, like, just because, like, all situations have multiple variables, right? Right. And, and if I write or focus on one variable, that doesn't mean just doing the opposite of that one variable will, will result in the, in the opposite result. So at Microsoft, for example, uh, when we the App Store launched with a, uh, oh, pass 25,000 gross and you will we'll split it 80-20, you'll actually get to keep more. And there's a big hope and, oh, we're going to do all the developer tools and we're going to have trials and we're going to have all this sort of stuff that Apple doesn't do. And it's going to be better for you as a developer. And 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 guess what the response of developers was? Nobody gave a <laughs> shit. Exactly. Because there weren't any customers and there weren't any customers right. who were paying. And like the number of apps that crossed that barrier were not very many. Um, and and. That's- so here's the question, though, right? Like, are there really, really cool apps that could further enhance 
the the um, stickiness of the iOS platform that aren't being developed because Apple isn't doing this. It's not that they will get developed on some other platform, but that developers are choosing to go off and do something all together with their time because they have this amazing idea for an app, but they're like, well, I'd love to target iOS devices, but I know because I'm not doing in-app purchases that there's no way I'm going to ever be able to do this. So I'm just going to go do something else. And the problem with that, the problem with asking that question is it's really friggin' difficult to do the calculus because like, how are you going to predict apps that aren't going to be created because developers, like, how do you predict the value of that? No, that's exactly, that's exactly the case. I mean, I'm, I, I believe that there are, but it's like trying to prove a negative, right? Like, James, when did you stop hitting your non-existent wife, right? It, 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 <laughs> That's not very nice, Ben. My non-existent wife. <laughs> I never hit my non-existent wife. But I mean, like, that, that, that's the problem, though. It's like, we, it's unquantifiable. And even if someone had a good idea, you don't know if that's going to actually succeed to the market, right? Everyone has tons of good ideas. Lots, lots of them don't succeed. It's, right. it's, and so basically the, the argument for Apple to change the way it treats developers is this kind of like theoretical, one could imagine it would be the case that there are innovative apps that will, that will make people even more well to iOS and drive sales and, and rescue the iPad uh, that but aren't being made. But, like, but there's no evidence of that. On the flip side, there's tons of evidence that there are all kinds of apps in the App Store, some of which are great. Uh, that people are downloading apps, people are buying iPhones. The average person uses like 30 apps. Without, oh, people don't use very many apps these days. 30 apps is way more than anyone used a long time ago, right? Like, and yeah. and and so that, all that, that, yeah, dude. Like, the problem is that attitude is not what makes Apple great. Like, but 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 no, but but this is exactly it, James. You, you're you're hitting on it. Like, what makes Apple great is they they've gone against like conventional wisdom and they've right. they've believed that. If we make the best product and if we deliver right. on the user experience, exactly. we can consistently achieve a very high margin and have a very profitable company. And and by starting with the product and not starting with the financials, the, the financials have followed. Like we, we talked about that. I wrote about mm. that in Best. We've talked about that on this, on, on this podcast. And it's mm. why we admire the company. The and problem, yeah, they're not taking the same attitude but, with their developer community. I know, but the but but the issue is that. As a part of that core belief, the one I just talked to that we do, we create the best products. A central, a central tenet of that belief is that we control everything. We control the product. We control the chip. We control the OS. We make it the best, and we trust that people will like it. And what yeah. we're asking Apple to do with developers is to seed control. And yes, so yes, Apple ought to. Apple has previously done things that didn't make immediate financial sense because it was better in the long run, but they, but and so we're saying, Oh, why don't you do that with developers? The problem is to do that. We're asking them to also betray kind of a core characteristic of what makes Apple, Apple. It's true. But at the same time, they also remember what it was like when there were no developers on the platform at all. Right. And they're there. They, I mean, you can mount a, yeah. And I realize we're back at the culture thing, but you can mount a logical argument that, I mean, why provide developer tools at all? Why have developers like you're not if, if you're not creating, I mean, the run this ar- argument to its logical conclusion. If you're not creating all the applications yourself, then you've seeded control, then it can't be this amazing experience. Now, 
Clearly, that makes no sense. Clearly, there are developer tools. Clearly, there is an amazing iOS app ecosystem that Apple advertises itself, like it's a big part of the value proposition. Now, what I th- what I think is a, a reasonable compromise is to say there are parts of the experience that are sacred that we must control, and then there's a sandbox for everybody else to play in. And the problem that I have, and the problem that I feel you have as well, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I also realize you're playing devil's advocate. The problem is the boundaries of the sandbox aren't being defined, and then you're seeing Apple's like seriously punish developers. And and it's like, I, I can't even imagine what it would be like to do a year's worth of work on something by yourself, the long hours involved in solving all these technical problems to, to, to deliver something that you're really, really proud of, put it out there and only to find out at the last hurdle that, oh, I'm sorry, we're not going to let this up there. And it's not because you're breaking any rules. It's because we want to make an example. of No, it. like, it's worse. Uh, it's worse. You get it up there and it gets super popular and you get featured in TechCrunch and you're featured by Apple itself and then you're pulled. Yeah. That's just. Mm. So, uh, I mean, the, 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 the Apple with developers, I think, is a very fraught history because um, if, if you think about the lessons that Apple has learned, again, going back to the late 90s, like Adobe, which Apple made, like Adobe is, is, a, uh, is a, in many respects, like, yes, it's, it's a great company and they, they deserve all the, all the things that they built, uh, but they, they, are, they grew up with the Mac, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. Apple, in many respects, made Adobe. And then when Apple, in its desperate hour, Adobe switched to doing Windows first and like Mac became like an afterthought. And Adobe didn't support OS X for a very, very long time. Despite like direct entreaties from Steve Jobs to Adobe to please support them, they said no. And, and, and believe me, like, there, like when there was the whole thing about Flash and Apple versus Adobe, there was a long history of deep, deep enmity between those two companies there. Like, like I, I don't know as for a fact, but I believe that Jobs despised Adobe with every phone in his being. I mean, that wouldn't surprise me either. And then again, Microsoft and, and Office, and the, the thing with both these products, with Office and with Photoshop in particular, particularly when it came to the Mac, is that those two products were more important than the computers that they ran on. But we're not talking about. I, no, look, no, I you totally hear me agree. out. Hear, hear me out. Hear me out. Sorry. And I so, and stopped. so, and so, how you went it, for coffee? Come on, you went for coffee. <laughs> look at that. The coffee's <laughs> kicking in right now. So, 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 when Apple made its comeback and and Mac started to climb out of the hole, and again, part of, part of it was the iPod, um, or a big part was the iPod for sure. But the, just the Mac itself, it, what, what, like, why did you? Why did people start buying Macs? A lot of it was like iLife. And it was like the software that Apple created itself. And like Apple's like, you know what? We can't depend on anyone. We're going to create like everything you need for your computer. And that's going to be a core selling proposition. We have classes at, at our stores. We're going to have like this whole thing. And that like it was incredibly compelling. Like I know a ton of people that I that bought Macs yeah. because, because, because of that. And mm-hmm. so what Apple learned in many respects is that we can't trust third developers and we have to do it ourselves when it comes to this sort of stuff. And yes, the situation now is totally like the, the, the reality of the situation is totally different, but you're kind of your, that internal model in your mind and, and the culture around it uh, always trails the reality by a very long time. But this is, I mean, so I, I feel like, I almost feel like 
you're verging on making excuses for them a little bit because I, I, like when the iPhone came out, like you ship a product and you have to create, you're not just selling people a piece of hardware, you're selling them a, a, a product that, that solves certain problems in their lives. And to, to like put something out there with no functionality, no applications on it whatsoever and expect people to use it, like nobody would just buy a computer, like the most beautifully designed computer with an operating system if it had no applications that ran on top of it. And I think the 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 insight is that when you start, actually you you, you like see p- the, the way in which people use the products and you understand the problems that they have and you can create really compelling um, applications on top of your your product or your operating system that solve the really big problems um, and that demonstrate to other developers how like how things are done. Like this is how you use it. This is the power of the platform. So you, you show people how it's done and you also give your, your customers a compelling reason to adopt the hardware and software that other developers, well, developers can then extend further in ways that you couldn't have imagined. To assume that the starting case is always the case that, oh, oh I mean, if that attitude had truly sunk in, Apple would never have created an app store, would never have allowed developers on it, but they they did. And the other thing I would say is that the, the examples of Adobe and Microsoft abandoning, um, abandoning back in the day, like business is war. And these are big companies making very rational decisions. Like most of, I don't think it was personal, although it might've become personal at some stage or another. It was like, look, more people are buying Windows products and yeah, you helped us get our start, but we're a business here and more of our customers seem to be using Windows. So we're going to go Windows first. Now, the one thing I'd say about small developers is they're much less likely to be highly rational and they're much more likely to be to be loyal and do it because they believe in it. And I just think it's dumb for Apple to treat people like that in that way. No, I completely agree. And, and you're right about Adobe and Microsoft. Like they did <laughs> like... Arguably, they were better to Apple than than Apple deserved, particularly Microsoft. Um, you know, I think part of that was antitrust concerns. Um, right. But you know, it, it certainly you know I think it um, it's an interesting what if in history. Um, but no, I, I agree with you, and I agree that I, I guess what the takeaway is: yes, they have the App Store. Um, I don't think Jobs wanted it. I know that's kind of a point of contention. Did he or did he not? Um, I, I, but I do think like. The, the story remains handicapped, particularly from a monetization perspective. And um, and I, I I wonder how much that goes back to this kind of mindset or, yes, let's have nice little apps that make the phone better. But like, we, mm. you know, let's not have a monster that that becomes like a must a must have a reason like I'm going to buy an iPad because it has this app. The problem with that is that if that app is on another is on another tablet now you will buy that other tablet because it has that app. Well, so here's a really scary thought. Maybe this is a very, very, uh, uh, a very, very um, <laughs> strategic decision to say, well, if any platform's going to support one of these applications that becomes the killer app that requires a, the, that's so killer that it requires a different business model to monetize, then people are probably going to develop it on our platform or they're not going to develop it at all. So maybe it's actually better for us to not create a business model that will allow that because that could actually be a source of competitive weakness in the future. Yes, that's that's the point I'm trying to make. Like let's not enable another Office or Photoshop. 
Uh, I don't think, I, I think Apple is the smartest company in the world. I don't think they're that. <laughs> that devious? No, I just don't think they are. I kind of hinted this at the beginning. Like, I, I do feel there is a divide in Apple between kind of the old Apple and the new Apple. Yeah. And, you know, the the app review team is managed by Phil Schiller, who's very much of the old Apple. The the engineering and team is is Craig Federighi, who is, he was there before, but he left for a while and then he came back. Um, mm. And I think he he's kind of this, uh, the face of the new Apple in a lot of ways. And uh, it feels like there's there's a bit of a war going on between those two. And, um you know, it'll be very interesting to see. I think the big, the, the big question right now is, is this happening at the highest levels or is it just happening down underneath the surface? You know, because it, it, especially if this keeps ballooning in the press, you know, something's going to happen. And it'll be very interesting to see to see what that, you know, what that something what that something might be. But I mean, certainly I, I, I hope my hope is that this is a struggle between the new and the old Apple and that the new Apple is going to merge victorious. I, I think like we, we already talked about this, like there, there was great value in the old Apple, but at some point you do like just the, co- the company has changed like in, and the culture needs to change as well. Um, because to stay the same, yes, you, you may be preserving what is great, but you're also, you're also ossifying at the same time. Well, totally. And, and I mean, I'd also make the point, regardless of which side, which one you think is right, like a, a, a sure path to failure is for different parts of your organization to be carrying on with different strategies. And if those strategies map to whether the leader of a certain part of your organization used to be here or is relatively new, like, it, you, you need everyone in alignment behind the same strategy. You don't want different parts going off and doing different things. So it, it's clear that the decision has been made. Tim Cook got up on stage. Your characterization of Open Apple, I agree with that characterization. Regardless of whether you think it's right or not, you, you at some point everyone needs to fall in, or it's going to be like. <laughs> I mean, there've been a few there've been a few heads axed, and I can't help but wonder whether it's not as a result of what you've been talking about. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's going to be very very interesting um, to, to see what happens. I mean, the the truth is, I mean, I it's funny over the last year, I think as I've um, you know tried to build out this case about why Apple, you know about disruption and Apple and the user experience being superior and, and all that sort of thing. Like, can there be a ceiling? And, and I guess one thing I didn't really fully articulate, we, we kind of got into this on the street forum that helped me work this out is the thing with the user experience and technology products, especially is because the underlying technology is changing so much. And like the baseline is improving so quickly. Like, yes, theoretically, there is a ceiling, I think, to user experience improvement where the user no longer notices it, but it's so hard to just like keep up a baseline that like there's always there's always parts above to to get better at and and the i the worry for apple is like their products are getting more complex and they're having more bugs and now you have this going on like how long can they you know can they can they you know keep it keep it all together and then figure out the cloud stuff and all that i mean there's it, the company is is as strong as it's ever been from an objective basis but at the same time, there's like, I don't think it's, it's weird when, when people were down on them, in the stock market a few years ago and all sort of stuff, I, to me, the company looked incredibly strong and I was very confident in them. Now that everyone's super bullish on them and they think they're awesome. Like I'm actually uh, a lot more nervous than I, than I have been for quite a while. 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's is it Buffett? Like when people are being bullish, be bearish, and when people are being bearish, be bullish. I, I he he was talking about the market. I I think there's a case to be made. I think there's a case to be made for Apple as well. Like if <laughs> if there's one company that's defied Wall Street's ability to properly understand it, it's it's been Apple. They just do things so differently. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it's also you know you you always kind of like you bet against them at your at your what's the word peril. Yeah, it's at your peril. Um, but <laughs> that's true. Well, it'll be interesting. I think I think 2015. I think it's gonna be very interesting. Um, one, just the watch and just seeing like how that lands is gonna be interesting. Two, mm. I'm very interested in iOS nine. Um, Why? Like because uh, I'm interested in the degree of polish that it has because I, I I really think their software quality is 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 a problem right now. Like it's not just the surface stuff that consumers see. Like I've heard from developers that like under the surface that it's by been by far the buggiest release they've ever they've ever had to deal mm. with. Um, Do you have a hypothesis as to why that is? I think I mean I think part of it is just they're they're moving like the tying the OS releases to the annual hardware releases is uh. is very problematic because you're you're treating software like you're putting an artificial constraint on it that I'm not sure is the right constraint. It's like it's it's like the same problem Apple, a similar problem Apple has to the cloud, right? They don't really iterate. They don't have that in their bones because they're kind of a product company, uh-huh. and and it it they've gotten away with it in software to to an extent. I mean, it's worse in the cloud, but I think you're starting to see that seep down into their software as well, where you're 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 using a hardware design approach to manage software development. Well, let me make the opposite case. case. Like one of the one of the advantages of being integrated over software and hardware is it allows you to iterate on both at the same time now like it get, like being able to control both gives you a degree of freedom that you wouldn't otherwise have if you just controlled hardware or if you just controlled software i i and maybe they don't need to be super tightly tied but you you like you introduce new hardware function. I mean, to be fair to them, they didn't have um, all the stuff around the sync with the computer um, at launch um, on iOS eight. There was an update required for that, right? And well, I think because that, they, because they it needed it needed the Yosemite update for OS ten, right? So I'm I uh, and was Apple Pay live or I, I'm trying to remember what they added with eight point one. Uh, no, Apple Pay was also a couple weeks later. So, I mean, they have demonstrated an ability to do that and maybe they just need to get better at continuing to do that. Like, okay, guys, yeah, there might be a software, a point software update with new hardware, but don't ship the software, don't ship a major software release or focus it all on the one point in time. Yeah, or maybe, maybe it's just doing less or something. I don't know. Um, mm. The other thing that concerns me is, I mean, just the reality is, is, especially in the current environment in the Valley, like Apple's been bleeding talent for years now. And it's 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 a lot harder to yes they have core people that have been there for a long time and will continue to be there but you know it, it's it, it at some point you lose enough people like it 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 becomes a challenge it takes a while to get replacements up to speed and to the same level of productivity and like a lot of the people that like built the original iOS you know iPhone OS for example like a lot of them are gone and um, that's just the way that's that's kind of like the punishment of success in a lot of ways it's also the environment like. There's lots of very good jobs for those people out there. Right. Um, 
And maybe paradoxically, like a crash would be good for Apple because (laughs) all these people would come looking for for jobs. I mean, it can't be worse than the position they were in back in 98 when jobs came back, though. No, but I mean, but the, you know, the the level of complexity they were managing was a lot lower than as well. Um, That's true. (laughs) Well, yeah. Well, he cut all those products. And yeah, no, that's fair. That's totally fair. Anyhow, I, I mean, it, it, this this podcast is going to sound silly when you know they announce their quarterly results, which are going to be absolutely insane. Um, but I think I think that's 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 the challenge and the value that you hope to provide with any sort of analysis. It's not to it's not to report. It's not to report yeah. on the situation as it is. It's to look Predict. ahead and and see what might be or what might be avoided. Profit is a lagging indicator. I, if you if you just like, oh, their profit's going up, everything is great, you're a fool because, and I'm not saying you're a fool, but to, to in general- No, you're a fool. <laughs> there we go. The coffee's kicked in. Um, <laughs> it, 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 to, to rely on profit, like the number, it, it looks great, but the the- I mean, here's the thing about disruption, right? Like companies at their most profitable, uh, like paradoxically, there's a case to be made. They're at their most vulnerable because they've they've done a really good job of moving up market of igno- of of leaving. Everything looks great, so threats don't don't register. Yeah. Um, so and especially I, right now, like Apple, everyone's like finally understands Apple's model. I'm like, oh yeah, that makes total sense. Company's set. <laughs> it's like, okay, now I'm getting nervous. Yeah, I, I I agree with that assessment. All right. Um, well, uh, we, we did get into Uber a little bit. Um, so sorry. sorry to the people that were upset about it. Um, but I I do I just think it's to do something to do something new and and great or whatever adjective you want to use. They could be positive adjectives. They can be negative adjectives. Requires a very strong culture, and the, that is wonderful until the day that it isn't. And I, that's what I think is kind of the, the parallel that. That I was, I was trying to kind of suggest. No, 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 no. I think the point was well made, and I, I, yeah, no, I, I, I think that will be. I think that was absolutely clear. At least it was to me. All right. Well, uh, we only had one squirrel. I think, uh, at least as far as I know, um, I was off the squirrel before you called it. I was I off the squirrel. I was waiting for the time to interject, and then you, you, you self police do it. I was very disappointed. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um. Well, we have a new mascot anyway. Yeah, the squirrel, the exponent squirrel. I I don't know whoever you who whoever you were, dear listener, that wrote that review. Write in and let us know. We'll give you a shout out. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, I will uh, talk to you next week. Sounds good, mate. Have a good one. All right. Bye bye. Hi, James. Ben, how are you? <laughs> well, uh, we are doing an extra uh, little bit of recording. It's now uh, Thursday night in the States and Friday here. Uh, but see, given that we spent so much time talking about the uh, the, the app stuff, I um, thought it worth adding the fact that Apple did actually reverse themselves on one of the apps we talked about, which is Transmit, the file kind of file management app. Huh. And uh, yeah, no, it, I mean, it, it it's good news uh, for sure. Uh, I actually kind of a little bit, and maybe I'm saying this, you know, to make myself feel good, but I think it actually kind of confirms my thesis, to be honest, um, because what I mean, what it kind of sounds like is it got in the press, got made a big deal. Uh, Apple Engineering, which imp- created these features, heard about it, and someone somewhere is like, no, <laughs> we put that feature in for a reason, right? Like we want to expand accessibility. We want to make it easier to get to it, and 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 it got reversed. Uh, I think it definitely suggests some sort of 
internal, you know, fight or disagreement. Um, it's but that, whether that's whether that's within the app review team itself or whether it's the the company as a whole. I mean, obviously, no one knows, but I I, right. I tend to suspect it's it's still the latter because that's the interesting part, right? Like whether this is someone this is someone giving Phil Schiller a slap or this is Phil Schiller giving someone in the app the app review team a slap. Those are two very very different states of the world. Right. No. Exactly. And again, like like we said before, I mean, we don't even know how far up the chain right this went or has gone. Um, but thought it was worth, um, since we were, I was editing it and we, we spent a lot of time about that and people were going to ask for sure. We might as well, we might as well add it in. But the real reason why I wanted to call you was, um, <laughs> I forgot to congratulate you for being, uh, a, a graduate of Harvard business school, oh uh, that, you know, clearly they, they inculcate wonderful values in everyone in that place. Oh, um, man. So this, I, I mean, I thought I'd celebrate maybe buy you some Chinese food. Um, Szechuan, but, perhaps. Know, yes, I, you know, I, I, I couldn't believe it when we hung up the other day, and <sighs> I forgot to mention it. So now that I have you back on the line, I just want to make sure to get that out there. All right, I'm going to come out swinging. I think this guy has so Professor Ben Edelman. I never, I, I probably, I, I would recognize him if I walked past him uh, in the corridors at school, but I never took a class with him. I actually never took his class, though the class he teaches um, is a is a pretty, I think it's Monvi. I think it's a pretty well-regarded class. And he does something on the digital economy, which was also very interesting. But here's the thing, right? He has a, in, in the academic world, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, so he's not tenured, right? He's an assistant professor. And in the academic world, there's a lot of emphasis placed on doing technically correct stuff and playing by all the rules. And the thing that I really appreciate about Professor Edelman is that he never, well, much less so than a lot of other folks that aren't tenured, never really played by that set of rules. He, he's gone out after big players on the internet and uh, if they do something wrong. So one of the big things he became, he, his research focused on that he became renowned for was Google used to, um, they it, it used to highlight uh, in a different color advertising when you typed in a search and bit by bit they they lessened the color and whatever and he did research showing this and brought it to light he he has a he has a very principled streak inside him where he sees um he sees companies or corporate entities typically big corporate entities um doing things that aren't in the best interests of the consumer, particularly on the internet. And this principled streak leads him to behave in a way that may not be in his own self-interest. Um, and that's actually st- stood him in pretty good stead in terms of a lot of the publicity that he's generated. Unfortunately, it's always been the the academic up against the big corporation. Now, he walked into this Szechuan Chinese restaurant and it seems like they overcharged him four bucks. And I imagine there was, I didn't read all the emails, but I imagine there was some conversation about like, did you, <laughs> why did you do this? Yeah, no, 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 wait, wait, I mean, let's be, let's be super clear here because okay. we're, you're making people's, you know, pull hair out of their heads. Mm. Like the guy was a total jerk. Right. And, and like, and, and he, and the guy, the restaurant tried to apologize and get back his money back. He's like, and he was just pushing and pushing and pushing. And he was an absolute jerk. I, but, so I didn't but, see but, the but, 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 but I, I agree with you. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm like a typical Harvard student. You're making excuses. No, no, you are, you're saying something that I think is very interesting. Like this actually guy, I knew I'd heard his name before. So I actually did a bit of research today. 
Um, and the reason I'd heard his name was he called out Facebook for basically giving away private information through referral logs um, a few years ago. Like Facebook, like got a it was a pretty serious privacy issue that that he uncovered. Uh, he's ridden Google very hard. Google complains because he's also he does consulting in one of the companies that's consulting for Microsoft. So Google claims he's a paid hack. Um, he is widely regarded for being one of the leading people that's that's uh, taking down spyware. Um, and like he exposes companies that plant spyware on computers, the stuff that pops up randomly. You don't know why it's happening, which has gotten a lot better. And a lot of it's due to his work and research. There you go. And basically what, what we have here is we have this guy who's just a dick to everyone. And, well, and sorry, no, 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 hear me like, out. No, no, hear, no, hear me out. Hear me out. What, what I mean by that is when I say he's a dick to everyone, I mean like he just doesn't care. Like he, he went after Facebook. He went after Google. To your point, he did all this being an untenured professor and I, and it, again, not in the slightest excusing what I do with this restaurant, but it's that same sort of personality that enabled these other good outcomes. And it's like, yes, he should have been able to differentiate, but it, the, it, it, he's kind of like the Uber of professors, right? Like he, he's, he's able <laughs> to accomplish point, what he right? did because of his personality. And he was, he, yes, he needs to learn to modulate it and control it. But that's kind of the same thing we say about Uber. They, they, they go in against these entrenched interests and and do what is ends up being a good thing for society, but they can't. But then it that that same attitude makes them go too far in other places. I, I think that's I think that's fair. I I I think that's fair. I'm I'm just in principle a little bit <laughs> pulling someone up for overcharging. Yeah, it's four bucks. Yeah, he's a Harvard professor. Yeah, he should probably know better. But at the same time, uh, a restaurant leaking. A correspondence about an upset customer to the press on the basis of the fact that they know he was a semi-public personality, and and this restaurateur is like been in GQ. He's he knows how to play the press. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Like the idea that they would they would leak it like that. I don't know. Like. It, it, I, I see both sides. I, I agree, though. He needs to learn to modulate it. Like apl- applying the hammer in this instance. <laughs> to a restaurant over four bucks is just you, you might be right in principle and you would say he's a dick i would say he's like a person who's principled to the point where he will put he will ignore the publicity side of things or like the common sense side of things that people will apply and it's st- it stood him in good stead when going after like big names like google or facebook or whatever but when it comes to like people finding out that he went after a restaurant for four bucks even if he's right, he ends up being wrong. I, I, no, no, I, I, I agree. And it's like, I, 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 the, the fact of the matter is, is like, um, I, uh, apparently got some specifics. People are saying he got some specifics of the law, right? We talk like trebling damages and stuff like that. And that's probably fair. But like the f- fact of the matter was he was charged a different price than what was advertised. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? And like, right. it, 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 I don't know. It's just, it's interesting. Cause I've been, I've been ranting, I've been going on on Twitter about this and, uh, it, I don't know. And I, there's been a thing on, on, on the, like, it's just, it's just so like, I, I, I'm just fascinated by this idea that th- it's the idea of like, what, what is your greatest strength is also your greatest weakness. Yeah. Like it's, it's often the, the exact same thing. And uh, it, while I was ranting on Twitter, I actually randomly came across a separate tweet about my quote. There was like four quotes about Michael Jordan. And 
and who's kindly who was kind of a psychopath in a lot of ways. Like he was so insanely competitive and he treated people around him just like like garbage. And we just glorify the guy, right? right. Because that that it was that drive that made that made him great. But once, as soon as it's applied, you know, spills out from what's like the social right. acceptable place. It's like people get very uncomfortable with that. But and again, I'm not saying that that, that Professor Edelman, um, who I've never met, you know, I, I had heard of him before, but um, is is Michael Jordan? But I, I think it's I don't who's who are the other people that are chasing on Google and Facebook and running their own server farms to. Find find spyware like, but it uh, takes a certain type of personality, right. and I don't. It just it's. I just find it fascinating, like how this spills over, and once it spills over, it's. I don't know, and people people don't don't like it. They don't like it. They don't like me saying this splits both ways. I lost a bunch of followers for it, but yeah. Whatever. Well, good good for you for sticking up for what you believe in. But here's the thing, like the idea that a restaurant. I, I mean, I don't know if this is a chronic thing or not, but the idea that restaurants can just like just put whatever they want on the bill. Like if this, like, let's change some of the circumstances. If this was Apple and that there were a whole bunch of, uh, they'd been overcharging, they'd overcharged someone for iTunes. Like it said you were paying $1.99 and $6 came up on the bill. Like, uh, and and then in, in a, like the law says, this is the way that it's meant to be sorted. Like if, if the, it's meant to be three times penalties or something. Like if someone did that and then Apple went and leaked the correspondence to try, I I don't know. There was just something about the whole incident that left a bad taste in my mouth. But at the same time, again, he should have known. Yeah, I think something that a response I've gotten again, we we just blew past our 10 minute mark, but I think a response I've gotten again and again is, oh, it's okay to punch up but not to punch down. Yeah, and And, that that came up in Uber too. Like that was the difference between Uber against like the governments versus Uber against a journalist. Well, and the people are also saying now Uber against the governments, they can't break the law anymore because they're a $40 billion company. It's like, well, how do they get to be a $40 billion company? Oh, it doesn't matter. They're they're big now. And I, I... I don't know. I mean, but here, here's the thing. You can't simultaneously say it's okay to punch up and not punch down and say that you ought to always follow the law. Like, I mean, it's, it's just weird. It's just weird. I mean, yeah. and it's, yeah. I, I guess, I guess what I really hope and wish is, is that the people who really strongly disagree with us on, on Uber or, or about Edelman or about, about any of these other things, just, I, I, and this is something I, I always hope, try to force myself is like nothing is black. Like very few things are, yeah. are black and white, you know, like it, it's, it's always complex. And, and whenever you, whenever you get anything on the extreme, whether it be an executive team, whether it be a professor, whether it be Apple, um, Apple and their need for control, yeah, like that need for control produces great products and also leads them to kind of being jerks to developers. Like it's the flip side of the same coin. And that's there. There is no perfect world where you only get all the upside. Well, that's that's true. I mean, it's it's funny how perfectly parallel these two stories are in that relationship. But in 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 a funny way, both have come full circle, right? Edelman came out with an apology, though I don't know how much of it was was just said because I mean, I, I looked at his the at stream at him on Twitter, and it was just this stream of torrential abuse it was like wow i'm glad i'm not like this is the (laughs) this is what happens when you get to be a a superstar for the wrong reasons on the internet it was it was pretty awful but i mean apple came full circle too like they reversed their decision so i don't know a bit of public pressure and and uh 
both parties seem to have have adjusted a little bit from their principles that they're like the the need for control or the the fight to to do the right thing in every instance yeah and that's and that's probably the the big concern for uber is is they there doesn't really seem to be real recognition on their part that they go too far sometimes and i think that's that more than anything is what's concerning about the company and is where you know, is yes, we it's un, it can be understandable when it happens, but it's not understandable to not have the self awareness to see when you have gone too far. Well, I mean, I, I think in both instances with Apple and Edelman, neither of them did until a, the mirror was held up through a lot of publicity. And I, I think, I think both of us have said all along that this, if Uber keeps behaving in the way that they do, it's going to come back and bite them. And it looks like it might've in India. And my suspicion is it's one thing to, it's one thing to be breaking these rules where everybody agrees they're the right rules to be breaking, but to like, to, to, to view everything as an existential threat and to view everything as like taking it effectively personally as a company and fighting against everybody, extending it to a journalist, they're going to run out of, (laughs) they're going to run out of runway pretty quickly if they keep, keep up that behavior, I think. No, I definitely, I definitely think that's, I think that's the case. And yeah, and it's so much, so much of this is about kind of self-awareness, whether it be as a person or as a company. And I guess more than anything, that's, that's something to strive for. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a good point. Um, Unexpected pleasure to talk to you on Thursday night after San Francisco has been hit by what they claimed was like the largest <laughs> like- storm of the century, but it was like a little bit of drizzle and a few winds and half the city lost power. It was kind of hilarious, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I've, I've refrained from taunting on Twitter, but it's been amusing. It, it, it was pretty amusing. Like it, this wouldn't even rate a mention anywhere else I've lived in the world, but California, oh my gosh, a little bit of rain and some wind and the whole thing shuts down. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, we we can. Oh, I think we, we and all our listeners can be united in uh, mocking San Francisco. So I love this city, but it it has been a source of entertainment the last twelve hours. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, I will talk to you uh, next week. Sounds good, mate. See ya.